and welcome to our podcast, Francophiles. This is our podcast from the French Embassy in Washington. My name is Ariel, and I work at the French Embassy. You could probably tell from the accent that I'm not French and that I'm American, but I've had an interest in the French language, culture, and people for as long as I can remember. My work here, like that of many at the embassy, is more or less about building bridges between French and American cultures. The purpose of this podcast? To explore with you the secrets of diplomacy and to help you discover our rich and fascinating work. From geopolitical interrogations to daily life at one of the biggest French embassies abroad, and on an only non-boring way, we decided to open up our souls and microphones to you and hope you'll enjoy the ride. Another thing you'll hear us asking frequently on this podcast is, what about France? Don't worry, we haven't lost track or forgotten our notes. No, we ask this because our goal is to discuss France's role or influence or perception here in the U.S., and sometimes even on the world stage. In today's podcast, we're delving into the world of biodiversity. We've heard the word time and time again, and more recently, the term has been popping up in a more political context. Just a few months ago, a new assessment done by the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, IPBS, revealed that nature is declining globally at rates unprecedented in human history. As voices for biodiversity in the planet continue to grow louder, we are sitting down with Autumn Lynn Harrison, a scientist with the Migratory Bird Center at the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute, and Cyril Barnares, the head of European and International Affairs of the French Biodiversity Agency, to learn more about the meaning of biodiversity, why it matters, and most importantly, what kind of actions you and I can take in our daily lives to help fight biodiversity loss. Thank you so much, Autumn and Cyril, for being here today with us. Thank you. For Thank you for having us. us. So I want to start by talking about what your roles are, what you do on a day-to-day basis um, when it comes to biodiversity. If you could break that down for us. Well, I'm a scientist at the Smithsonian, which is a big complex of museums in the United States. But I work out in the wild. So I study marine animals like seals and turtles and whales and seabirds. And I use really new, amazing technology to track their migrations and find out where they go. Wow, that's really exciting. Nice. And what about you, Cyril? Um, so I work for the French Biodiversity Agency and I'm in charge uh, of their international affairs. So that means that I, I try to uh, build bridges between our agency and other agencies, for example, in the US with NOAA and uh, other all over. And also I uh, support the French ministry uh, in terms of negotiations for biodiversity. I was, for example, part of the IPBS uh, French team. Oh, very fascinating, both both of you. Okay, so like I said to you both before, obviously I don't know much about biodiversity, so I want to stress that we want to try and keep this as simplistic as possible. So let's start off with the first question. In layman's terms, 
What does biodiversity mean to you? Biodiversity is very simple. It's just life. Uh, and we could say maybe the diversity of life. So the diversity of every species. It really is a simple idea that we can relate to given the diversity of human cultures and peoples around the world. Biodiversity really is just the variety of life. Um, even in the function that animals play, like predators versus prey. So it's just the variety of life that we have on Earth. Well, I may be a scientist, but the first word that I think of when I think of biodiversity is beauty. Let's move on to biodiversity when it comes to France and the U.S. How are France and American actions complementary in your view when it comes to biodiversity? Kind of difficult to, to compare because our countries are very different. Uh, we, like in France, uh, in many places we have a more densely populated areas. So we, we have to, when we try to protect uh, biodiversity, sometimes we have to, to make a lot of people uh, from different, uh, I mean, that have very different point of view agree, agree on a, how we can protect land or, or marine areas, for example. So we may not have uh, national parks that are as, uh, as extended as in the U.S. I, th I think the purpose at the end of protecting biodiversity is very shared between the U.S. And, and France. So that's a common point that is very important. I think the fact that France has established an agency dedicated to biodiversity is quite, um, quite a difference. But as a scientist who studies animal migration, I often work with French scientists. We share migratory species that may cross uh, the entire Atlantic Ocean between the United States and France. So in that way, we have a lot of shared goals for conservation of biological diversity, and, and we work together quite frequently. So what are the factors that contribute to the disappearance of a species? There are direct impacts that humans directly cause, so habitat development, um, spreading animals from places where um, where they should be to where they shouldn't be, and those are called invasive species, so um, that can impact native wildlife. Direct harvest can have an impact, and I think all of these are related in complex ways to growing human population and also our patterns of consumption. So as we want to consume more, that requires us to develop more land um, and is um, changing our climate and so on. So these are the major factors. species that we're seeing that are disappearing the fastest and, and why? And we could mention, for example, amphibians, like frogs, uh, that are really at risk now nowadays, uh, I mean, all over the world, uh, in every country, and also coral reefs, for example, mm -hmm. that people may know, uh, that are animals, by the way, and people <laughs> would think maybe there are plants or something, or rocks, so we, we, we don't have, I mean, we cannot climb on them because they are living uh, animals. And they are very important for uh, for protecting the coast uh, coast uh, of the U.S. and other countries. So those kind of uh, species are tending to, to disappear very fast. And what are some of the precautions that I can take or people at home can take to prevent this from happening? 
I actually think that individuals have a lot of power at many different levels to contribute positively. Um, there's a long list of things you can do in your daily life to reduce consumption, to use your purchasing power, to really drive companies to make changes. And I think we're really seeing that happen right now, which is amazing. Um, make uh, native plants and wildlife welcome. So they should be welcome in your yard and, and not unwelcome. Educating yourself as much as possible, volunteering your time. Um, but I think now, especially this report um, just really drives home the message that these changes are happening rapidly. And I think rising up and really making voices heard is more and more necessary. In terms of long-term actions on a bigger scale, what are some of the long-term actions that we can do? I think many of these changes need to be a long-term commitment. So cumulative, you know, they build up over time. And um, we planted a butterfly garden last year and we're seeing monarchs come this year. So every action um, needs to be instituted with a commitment, you know, with a promise for the long-term. And then I think um, governments really have the long-term burden on, on their shoulders. Um, changing our subsidy structure, really committing to governance. Uh, these are very long-term um, goals. Uh, creating a new treaty for the ocean is happening right now, but it's taken 10 years to get there. Preserving areas, for example, is also a very long-term uh, objective. Uh, so that means uh, protecting the existing ones, for example, like national parks and other type of areas, and also maybe creating new ones because we know that we are... Uh, uh, we still have progress to make uh, in order to, to protect a sufficient part of uh, our land or our seas to, to protect biodiversity. And, uh, and as you said, for example, uh, the, treaty, the negotiation of the treaty on uh, biodiversity uh, in the high seas is something that is uh, also for the long-term protection of the ocean. So, How do weather disruptions and changing climate patterns affect wildlife um, migration? Well, I, I mostly study animals that migrate over oceans, and we see two effects. So weather in the short term, hurricanes that come through and um, cause animals to veer off course, or maybe they should be migrating, but they rest instead. Um, so these are weather disruptions, and climate change is resulting in weather disruptions happening more frequently. I think that's just one example, but we are already seeing the effects of climate change. Which leads us to also something very interesting in terms of biodiversity and change that are happening nowadays. Is uh, Sometimes we, we already know what could be the consequences. For example, when you take the, uh, the, diminution, the, the loss of bees, for example, like wild bees or uh, domesticated bees, uh, that means that there will be less plants that will be pollinated. Uh, so we may have less fruits or less plants uh, to, to eat. You know, when, when one species disappear or tend to diminish a lot, very often it, um, it, it has a lot of consequences that sometimes we don't know, but sometimes that we can predict. So, for example, the loss of birds, at least in Europe, is really uh, critical. We have lost uh, more than 30% of, uh, of quantity of birds uh, in, uh, in the recent time. So mainly due to, uh, to the use of pesticides that has uh, 
diminish the number of uh, insects. Which animal is most threatened by extinction and why? Um, I, I thought long and hard about this one when you asked what, which animal, which one um, species is, is what I was thinking. And as a marine biologist, I had to pick the vaquita, which is um, the world's smallest porpoise, like a dolphin, similar to a dolphin. And it's actually about a foot shorter than I am tall. And I'm not very tall. And so it's this small little porpoise and lives in the northern Gulf of Mexico or Sea of Cortez. And um, it's down to under 30 individuals in the wild now. And so um, for me, this in the marine biology world, corals for sure, but vaquita is this, the species that we are just imminently in, in danger of losing. Wow, do you guys have an estimate on how quickly they're disappearing? Yes, in the late 90s, they were nearly 600 uh, was the count. So now under 30 there's really a complex tension between fishing for another protected species, a fish species in the habitat of the vaquita. And the vaquita are caught in gill nets. So there's um, com complexities among livelihoods of people and vaquita and then another threatened fish. So I think that I think it's not too late. And I know that just this week uh, there were conversations about this at, at the national and international level. So, um, but if, if nothing is done, if, if patterns continue, we may lose this really sweet um, porpoise. So my very last question for both of you today is what is one of the biggest challenges when it comes to biodiversity and the science behind it right now? I would say that describing uh, species before we lose them is something very important. I mean, in places, in remote places of, uh, of the marine realm or even uh, in some forest, and also understanding the interactions between species, as we said before, is critical to, to better protect biodiversity. Serial and Autumn for joining us today and helping us get a better understanding of biodiversity and the world around us. For those of you at home, thank you so much for listening and exploring this topic with me. Of course, do not hesitate to share with us your thoughts on our podcast or what you'd be curious to hear more about. Let us know on our website, www.franceintheus.org, or send us an email at info at ambafrance-us.org. And please subscribe to our podcast if you liked it. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, a bientôt.